0: Hi, this is Mark from Aqua Omega and your Health Minute podcast. Today we have a special edition of the episode for you. We were graciously invited to Doug Cook's Dietitian Rehab podcast to discuss all things omega-3s, and more specifically, what to look for an omega-3 supplement. Max and Doug sat down for a very educational, informative conversation, so hope you enjoy. to the Dietitian Rehab Podcast, where we not only challenge and inspire dietitians to think outside the traditional dogmatic education, training, and attitudes for a mind wide open, but also to challenge anyone to think differently about their own health. We'll talk all things food, health, and nutrition related as we explore points of view, evidence, and strategies for better health that will allow you a fuller understanding of the hot topics that everybody's talking and asking about. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Doug Cook, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about all things Omega-3s with the founder and creator of Aqua Omega, Max Marion. Max is very passionate about Omega-3s, and he has worked tirelessly to produce the best products in the world and to create accessibility by offering high-quality Omega-3 products at very reasonable prices. Throughout the entire process of creating the Alpha Omega Line, he has worked with industry expert and world leaders and scientists in the omega-3 arena. And on this episode, we'll talk about all things omega-3s and more importantly, tease out some of the things in the omega-3 supplement market that a lot of people are not aware of, and more importantly, what goes into the making of a high-quality omega-3 fatty acid supplement. So without further hesitation, let's get to the show. So Max, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today because I'm a huge user and promoter, if you will, of supplements as therapeutic additions to diet when I'm doing nutrition counseling. And for me, a fundamental is omega-3s. It's just a no-brainer, as they say. But there's a lot of confusion. So I'm really looking forward to clearing up that during our talk today. But before that, I'm just wondering if you can tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background. And I think people will be really interested to learn why you became interested in natural health products and specifically omega-3s.
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh give you a little backstory on what we do and what we've done. So we actually, as a company, started in this sports nutrition field, developing like whole foods, sports nutrition products. And we were spending a lot of time out, out in the market engaging with athletes. And there was a huge demand for, for omega three, specifically high in EPA, to be able to reduce inflammation, improve recovery, reduce delayed onset muscle soreness. And at the time, you know, we kind of were taking this with a grain of salt, mainly because we, we looked at the market and we said, God, there's so many omega-3s that are out there. Like somebody really has to be doing this right. But the request kept coming up and kept coming up. And so, you know, we said, why don't we take a closer look at this to see if anybody, you know, we feel like anybody's really doing this right. And what we found was that, yes, the market was completely saturated, but anything that you were getting that we would find that would come into a therapeutic dose of omega-3s, you were paying like just so much money. And the more we learned about omega-3s, the more passionate we became and the more we understood how important they actually were, not just for sport, but for overall health. And really, you know, we're a bit biased, but we feel it's really one of the most important and fundamental supplements that you can take. And one of the easiest things you can do to improve your health, you know, and we say it in less than five minutes a day. So we just became so passionate about this. And then we started to surround ourselves with industry experts, PhDs in omega-3s, and we kind of gathered all this information. and, And we felt like we could, you know, we could build a better product. And our goal initially was Having seen kind of like, you know, what the base products would look like, kind of like, you know, pharmacy generic type brands and things like that. And the fundamental flaws that were in those products compared to like your professional brands and the huge gap that was between, and I'm talking about the, the dollar amount and also the concentrations. We wanted to knock down that price wall and create accessibility to Omega-3s. And so that's that's what we set out to do.
0: You raise a good point because there's everybody and everybody has one. Even the big box retailers, they have all their generic brands and they can be super, super cheap or they can go to these so-called professional lines, which confuse me because when you look on the label, they're exactly the same ingredient, but they're, you know, for some reason, they're $65 a bottle for 200 mils and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, up
1: to $100 a bottle in some cases we've seen.
0: I, that I've never heard of, but that's just outrageous. Yeah, it's a good point because there is a huge discrepancy, which ultimately leads to confusion because people are going to say like, it's like anything. You, you want to pay for value, but then you are confused by that huge spread. And then, yeah, there's for sure poor quality stuff out there. So it's interesting. I didn't know you were. You started off as a sports nutrition type company. Mm-hmm. So you have already experience in that. And then you kind of transitioned to omega-3s. So being a fellow Canadian and knowing what Health Canada can be like, sometimes they're, <laughs> they're a barrier to health, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. What were some of the barriers or challenges as a supplement formulator that you yourself found in the natural products mm-hmm. industry?
1: I mean, there's the regulatory work and the approvals to be able to license and market a product in Canada, you know, and we've got some great consultants that work with us to do that. But I think the biggest issue we came up with when we were developing this was that we take a slightly different approach when we're building products than other companies would. Where normally like a company would say, hey guys, we're going to get into the Omega-3 space because there's demand for it. And so they would turn around and go to either a contract manufacturer or supplier or somebody else that can help them make the product and say, hey guys, we want to make an Omega-3. And then they would propose a product. And there's a problem with that because, you know, you know, I'll get into that a little later, but they'll propose a product and, you know, they'll just take that as face value and, and kind of bring that product to market where we took a completely different approach. And this was the biggest challenge was where we, we created this ideation sheet where we built, I guess, from the top down, what the perfect omega-3 product in our point of view would look like and so our first flagship product was our high EPA product because obviously we were really targeting inflammation heart health so we kind of took this out we said okay what's the you know obviously this has to be a triglyceride based omega-3 we want it to be a single source and we were targeting you know sustainability from our single source and also kind of traceability and we needed to have very low, low heavy metals PCBs and dioxins the oxidation levels, and, and we wanted it to be, again, the highest percentage of EPA possible while maintaining the triglyceride form. And so we take all these kind of great ideas, we put them all together. And then so what the hardest challenge was actually getting it to be at an actual affordable price point for the end consumer. And so we took a lot of learnings that we had from like our sports nutrition world and all these things. We started working with a lot of like, you know, raw material suppliers, contract manufacturers, everybody and anybody that could help us make this product. And at the time, the biggest problem was that it was coming back at what we felt was like an an inappropriate price, a, a retail price point. So, you know, in our minds, you can build the best product in the world, but if no one can actually afford to buy it, what's the point, right? And so when we looked at this, and again, going back to the fact that this is one of the most important supplements that you can take on a daily basis we didn't want people to feel like they had to break the bank to be able to give their family the best. And so our biggest challenge was actually finding the right raw material suppliers and going direct to source on everything. And when no one could actually help us do that, we actually ended up going directly to the source. And, and when we had identified anchovy as the perfect source for our, our, our omega-3s, we actually flew down to South America and we toured the coast of Peru and the course of Chile. And we visited every crude oil facility, fishery, distillation plant that we could and we learned a ton when we did that and found the best possible source, which was this really kind of unique situation where the fishery, the distillation plant and the crude oil facility were all located right in the fishing grounds. It was just kind of like a perfect scenario. And, and that's really how we were able to kind of uh, go around that, that big obstacle and being able to take a really premium product and get it to the market at, a, at a, an affordable price point.
0: So it was pretty easy in that regard from <laughs> Health Canada point of view.
1: From a Health Canada point of view, yeah, I guess I kind of went off on a tangent there. But yeah, from a Health Canada point of view, I mean, it's, if you, you know, you get the right kind of regulatory kind of consultants working with you, Health Canada has got some guidelines and, and, you know, you stay within their guidelines and uh, you're able to kind of take a good product to market. I mean, it, I guess it's really from an, a class three kind of application or class two application like that, you're looking at 210 to 365 days to be able to kind of actually get your license and take the product to market. But I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's really good for protecting Canadians from products where, you know, you get your license and your application first, whereas other countries, you're able to kind of build a product and take it to market and kind of deal with the regulatory stuff after. So I think it's a good system. And I think, you know, a lot of other countries look up to our our system here.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm familiar. I I shouldn't say I know, but um, it is a good system. It's a perfect model. There's really nothing like it in the world. And maybe I'm digressing, but I just find it perplexing how sometimes things can go to market very quickly. And then similar formulas, like a, a product company can apply for a license or whatever to sell. And there's similar products on the market. But they're being held up for two to three years, and then maybe we can get it into it into it later. I just wondered what the guidelines. Yeah, I were. mean, it's
1: it's kind of like you know you've got your monographs ingredients, you've uh-huh. got like the different types of things where they have monographs for where you kind of work within the guidelines, which is not like it's specific to the raw material, not necessarily to the source. They'll have like you know like upper upper limits on like for example our our algae oil when we were developing our algae oil. You know, there's no restrictions on the amount of DHA in your animal base or your fish-based omega-3, but on the algae oil, they have an upper limit of two grams of DHA. So, you know, we work with within those kind of guidelines that they give us, or we'll present some arguments like on the other side to kind of, you know, argue our points and kind of present supporting information or documentation for what we're looking to do. But for the most part, I mean, you know, it's, it's a great system and it protects the end user
0: yeah. And a lot of people still slam it, but trust me, it's, it's, it's very good. They should be quite happy with it. So you're obviously, you know, passionate about this and you've got a great product on the market. Um, what's the most exciting thing about natural health, the natural health products industry? if, if we, there is?
1: I think we have a really cool opportunity when we stepped into the Omega-3s to kind of set a new standard for what Omega-3s should be. So, you know, whether it comes to our third-party certification, so all of our products are five-star IFOS certified, so the International Fish Oil Standards. We are Friend of the Sea certified, which means we, we do things in a good, sustainable fashion. Our, from our price points, our, the integrity that goes into our products, our, our transparency that goes into our products, it feels really good to set, set a standard for this category and really help people. Like we Like, I get so excited when we get people that reach out to us And tell us about how well our products are working for them, whether it's like reducing their triglyceride levels, or even like last week, there was a a family in Laval that their son started to take our high DHA product for his ADHD. And it's like, it's been life-changing for the family where, you know, like behavioral issues are better, performing better in school. It just feels so good to be able to help people like that when we put a really good product out into the market, you know, at an affordable price point again, and people can benefit from it and they feel really good. Those are the stories that really get us excited, you know, and interacting with other kind of great people like yourself, the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, working with people. And I, I think it's such a fun industry to be in, especially when you're working with, with great individuals like that, that like clearly have a passion to help people. You know, it's not, it's not always just about, about money. It's, it's really about helping people and getting people to feel better. And, uh, you know, that's 100% something that we can get behind.
0: Yeah. And for me, I've been doing this for 22 years and there's still like, there's, well, first of all, Canadians and even dietitians are closeted supplement users. I don't know if you know that. So, Publicly, we say all foods, uh, or sorry, a food first approach. Mm-hmm. But then, when you survey dietitians, seventy over seventy percent of them take supplements. But kind of publicly, we say, oh, supplements aren't needed, which is a shame because there's a, an opportunity to embrace them and really, I think, help patients more. But a lot of Canadians, I find, even in private practice, that's my experience. They somehow think that supplements might be frowned upon. I don't know where that comes from. Maybe their people who have been poo-hooed them because they're People think they're like medicine or they're ashamed to take them. I don't know. But there is a massive opportunity still that I still think is missed for high quality products in a targeted way that's backed by research. So to your point, it is exciting to have something that really does work, is very, th- very therapeutic and can really help people. So in practice, I see it as well, but it's not kind of, I, maybe I'm missing. No, I think maybe you're absolutely I'm right. I
1: think, it, I think we have a mentality of like a food first as well. But unfortunately, when it comes to omega-3s, it's no longer really considered safe to consume fish more than once or twice a week because of the high levels of PCBs, dioxins, and now even microplastics that we're seeing. And so we're really serving a need because less than 2% of the North American population is actually getting an adequate amount of omega-3s in their diet. And we're all getting an abundance of omega-6. So we feel we're really putting an amazing product out there that's really helping correct this deficiency. And to your point, I think, you know, like the closet users and things like that. I think in a lot of cases, I think the the supplement industry may have tainted itself because there's so many products now and big companies that are they're not necessarily building products with good intention. They're building products for profit and not for efficacy. And that's not to lump everybody into one because there are some very good companies that are out there, but there's so many kind of tricks to the trade and so much cheating and and you know, really kind of cheating the end user. And I think that is what gives the supplement industry a bad name, because I think in, in some cases such a great industry, some of those products or some of those companies just totally lack ethics. You know, it becomes all about money about shareholders and and bumping the, the bottom line and the end user is the one who, who suffers and, uh, you know, that's what we see. I think in some cases, the industry or the people are just jaded or, you know, we have such a big job. And like one of our biggest frustrations that we come after is that we, when we go out and we educate, we almost have an entire reprogramming to do because people have taken an omega-3, you know, they've had the fish burps. Everybody heard about fish yeah. burps. They felt nauseous. They've had bad reactions, like even sometimes like flu-like symptoms or they've just done nothing. And that that'll happen because, If you're getting omega-3s that are not in a true therapeutic dose or in the wrong formula or have high oxidative levels, you can actually hurt yourself. And so that's our biggest frustration. It kind of sounds like you're, you're on the same line there where people just like, and then, you know, once people are jaded, they lump everything into one ball and it's just like, well, they're all bad. Oh, that's not the case. There are some very good companies and some very good products that are out there.
0: Yeah, for sure there is. It's one bad experience is all it takes. And there's also confusions around the communication when they say, "Well, I take I take 2000." Like, "No, you take 2000 of salmon oil, but of that a fraction will be the fatty right. acids of choice, which we'll talk exactly. about." So, you mentioned you use you use anchovies. Mm-hmm. Can you describe what goes into the making of your product in terms of everything, maybe sourcing the
1: Yeah, for sure, you, I can kind QA, of it you the whole process. Yeah. Actually, We were so excited after like that initial trip when we actually got down into this little area called Arica, Chile, where everything kind of happens and then the crude oil comes up and we actually manufacture the products up here in Canada. But it's such a great, unique process. So when we had gone down, we've seen everything from like commercial fishing, which looks awful. It's as awful as it sounds. You know, fisheries, where other companies were sourcing from, where you would see like you know, there's, there's one thing I think I'll bring up when you see like three to five different species of fish on a label of omega-3s that kind of like was off for us. Because initially, like I'll take a step back when we were formulating and we were taking our formula kind of our ideation sheet out to some people to help us make this product everybody was changing our formula coming back and it was three to five different species. And I didn't understand why at first, cause we, you know, we were really new in the space. This is going back almost six years now. And I, I would say like, why are you changing it? Like, are, is there specific higher levels of EPA in different fish or, you know, I'm really trying to understand this and no one could answer the question. Well, when I went down, I saw why this was actually happening. It's because primarily Omega three companies or raw material suppliers or what have you are sourcing from fisheries. And these fisheries have a primary objective of actually supplying fish to fish markets. So the fish that was being used in the omega-3s was spoiled fish. It couldn't be used for for fish markets anymore. So that was bad for us because, you know, working with the experts, we really started to understand oxidation and how you wanted a very low level of oxidation in your omega-3s. So starting off with rotten fish was a non-starter for us. And so we we wanted no part of that. And the other thing too was that we would look at it and say, Well, how do you know exactly what's going into this? Like, we're not really sure. Like, is there a specific ratio or recipe or anything like that? And really it's, it just, when there's that many kind of species, it's a catch-all. They're just, they're adding whatever's available at the time. And as long, you know, refining it, going through hot molecular distillation, which is actually a flawed process. And then, you know, as long as they hit the ratios, that's what really mattered. And so again, that we wanted nothing to do with that continued. We ended up in Eureka where again, the fishery, the crude oil facility and the distillation plant were all located in the fishing grounds. And you can see this, we actually have a video. So after that initial trip, I went back down with a marketing team and a film crew. We videotaped the entire process to be able to show people how it's actually done from ocean to bottle, you know, with sustainability and kind of like the full practice. But this was what was really exciting is that because we were fishing directly in the fishing grounds, when the small fishing fleet goes out, so again, not giant commercial fishing vessels, when the small fishing fleet goes out and kind of harvests the anchovy, and it's all done in a sustainable fashion, so much so that we actually have one, a new certification. We're, all, we're now considered dolphin safe. So that was important for us, too, because those giant commercial fishing vessels actually claim the life of over 100,000 whales and dolphins on an annual basis. And they damaged coral reef. It's just awful for the ecosystem. So sustainable fishing was really important. And we were going out. We were harvesting the anchovy. And we would come back. And within an hour of the time, the actual anchovies being caught, we're converting that into crude oil which is really important because if you treat the fish well and you treat the anchovy kind of like in the, the raw material well, you end up with very low oxidative levels in your omega-3s, which again is, is very, very important. So this is a fundamentally different approach than most other companies were presenting to us because we are now sourcing primarily for omega-3s. There's still no waste. It's just that we're pulling the omega-3s or the essential fatty acids out first the crude oil And then the fish meal, the protein gets separated, gets dried and dry cured, and it's used for aquaculture and agriculture. So still no waste. And then from there, the crude oil goes directly next door to the, the distillation plant. This was a huge advantage again because normally this oil gets trucked around, gets moved from you know from South America to Europe or Asia or wherever it's moving around. Every time you're moving oil around or you're exposing it to oxygen, you're increasing the oxidative values now. I talk about this a lot just to give you, I guess your listeners a visual of what oxidation actually means in an omega-3. If you have high levels of oxidation, you have high levels of of basically compared to like rust in your omega-3s. So when you're consuming these oxidated oils or these rusted oils, you're actually doing yourself a disservice and damage because now your body has to use this naturally antioxidants to correct the oil so that it doesn't actually make you sick. And because you're damaging cells, you're actually promoting inflammation. So It was so important for us to have a good quality oil that making this way give us such a huge advantage. So again, taking a step back, the crude oil goes directly to the distillation plant. And in the distillation plant, we actually worked with the team and we have a really unique process in how we actually distill the oil. And you've tried it. You you can speak to this, but we don't treat it with heat. So normally the omega-3s are refined and processed by heat oil doesn't like to be heated up. Omega threes really don't like to be heated up. When you do that, you're actually damaging the essential fatty acids that are in the omega threes and you're increasing the oxidative levels again. So we don't do that at all. We actually cool it down to zero degrees and we don't use any industrial solvents in the product. We actually use a cold molecular distillation and CO2 extraction. And that's where we separate the essential fatty acids so the ones we want, which is essentially the EPA and the DHA, and separated them out from the rest and then concentrate the omega-3. So very, very delicate process. It takes a lot longer, but we end up with a much better product with better bioavailability, lower oxidative levels, and a better mouthfeel, essentially. Like we're, we're left with a product that essentially has zero fish smell and zero fish taste and zero fish aftertaste. And then from there, basically the product, you know, the, it, it gets barreled and it's brought up to our our factory up here in Canada, where we we essentially blend and flavor the products and bottle it out and take it to market. It's a a long story long (laughs) on how we actually do it, but...
0: Yeah, no, that's really important because I guess if I had to think about it, I might think, well, how might the supply chain work? And so when you spell it out like that, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me that other companies are doing that. So when it gets barreled, do yep. you do anything special or is it just like under a nitrogen flush to prevent oxidation? Yeah. So out?
1: basically there's so there's a ton of attention to detail that goes into it. So another thing we do is like the actual barrels are all made individually. So kind of like a new barrel that goes for it because a lot of, if you're recycling or you're reusing like old barrels or rusted barrels, again, you can get more oxidation mm-hmm. like in, in your omega threes, the barrel gets nitrogen flushed, gets filled bottom up. And then there's a nitrogen blanket that covers the oil again to make sure that we're maintaining very low oxidative levels in the omega-3s.
0: Yeah. So people might not remember, but nitrogen's inert. So as soon as it's sealed in like that, it's not going to interact with the fatty acids to spoil them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Even Um, in the bottling process, you know, once we've kind of blended with the green tea and the rosemary extract that goes into the omega-3, the antioxidants we're adding to the mm -hmm. omega-3s to make sure that again the life of the product, we're maintaining a low oxidative value in the omega-3, the bottle gets nitrogen flushed, gets filled. And then right before it gets capped, there's actually a frozen drop of nitrogen that will drop in, which will push any air left in the bottle completely out and then seal it and cap it to make sure that we're preserving the integrity of the product.
0: Wow. That's cool. (laughs) That's pretty high tech.
1: It's very, there's, there's a ton of attention to detail that goes into it. And that's when we say all the time, like, not all omega threes are created equal. You know, we saw so much things when we looked at the market and it was like, there's so many, like, you know, the wrong ratios, the wrong type, like even a lot of companies not offering any kind of third-party testing. And what we found is like, there's different grades of oil that you can use. You can use like food grade or um, kind of like an industrial grade or whatever. And then the pharmaceutical grade, omega threes, It's all kind of comes down to like the different kind of refinement and purification the oil's gone through and the levels of heavy metals, PCBs, dioxins that'll be left in it. And there's so much of like that, that food grade or less that's in in that really dark oil that's out there. Yeah, it's just bad. And the sources that they're using, you know, like, like, you know, we talked about multiple sources and things like that. But the larger the species of fish, you know, like we select anchovies specifically because we're harvesting them between like six months to a year of life. So very kind of short lifespan in the ocean. So low levels of natural contaminants in the product compared to like the larger species. So Mm -hmm. your tuna, your salmon, cod, things like that. These fish are all leaving five, 10, 15 years. They have a, a tremendous amount of time to spend in the ocean building up these heavy metals in the fats that are in the, the fish, which is really what we're going to get. So there's just that and then the ethyl esters versus the triglycerides. There's so much of that that's out there and so bad.
0: Yeah. And so then you do little flavorings, all the good stuff, grape and all that stuff, and then you bottle yep. it. Yep. So. This is a, like, I'm now a convert. In the beginning, I didn't really think it mattered between ethyl ester and triglyceride form. And the only reason I said that is I took a brand, I forget what brand it was, doesn't matter, but it was ethyl ester, And I was doing this self-monitoring of my omega-3 index. So a finger prick on a card. And I thought, because they always say, well, you can't, it's not as absorbed as efficiently and it it doesn't get incorporated into your cell membranes as well. But I I watched my omega-3 index go from eight to like 11. So I thought, well, that's, I don't know if that's true, but it's from an application point of view, it doesn't matter because my omega-3 index increased, but I now know that it's better to get the triglyceride form. So for people who don't understand the difference, omega-3s show up in two structurally different ways. You, we don't have to get into too much biochemistry, but the triglyceride is the preferred form.
1: Yeah, I can break it down pretty simply. So okay. basically the way you make an ester is you react the crude oil with industrial alcohol. And and through the process, they strip away the glycerol backbone of the omega 3 and then replace it with an ethanol molecule. And so that ethanol molecule stays there. They separate those essential fatty acids, but that omega 3 is no longer in its natural state. And so because it's no longer in its natural state, there's a few things that happen. So first of all, it's not as stable as a triglyceride based omega 3. And so it will oxidize more than twice as fast as your triglyceride-based omega-3. Again, oxidation, very bad. The other thing is because it's not in its natural state, your body doesn't actually recognize it as, as an omega-3 right away. And because there's still the alcohol that's attached to it, it has to actually be processed by the liver before you can actually absorb it and convert it into like a, essentially a triglyceride form, omega-3. So you end up with a much lower bioavailability than your triglyceride- based omega-3, which is recognized as an omega-3, which you can absorb and optimize right away. So and honestly, almost 90% of the omega-3s that are available on the market will be ethylesters. And we do a few tests. If you want to check if simply at home, if your omega-3 is a triglyceride or an ethylester, because most companies won't actually label it on the bottle, take a few capsules, take a tablespoon, throw it in a styrofoam cup. If it is a triglyceride, it will not damage the cup whatsoever. You can leave it there for days. If it is an ethylester, the industrial alcohol that's in the product will react with the styrofoam. It will melt the cup completely. It is almost scary to see what happens when you do that and kind of simply explains to people like why why am I feeling so crabby or why am I getting gut rot essentially when I'm taking these products, it's because of the industrial alcohol that's in there.
0: Yeah. So I guess one way to envision a triglyceride, this is how fats are stored in our bodies. These are how fats are stored in foods and this is how they are transported in our blood. It's like the capital E, right? Like a capital letter E. So you've got the vertical line would be the glycerol and then the three horizontal lines are these fatty acids. And so that is just a better form. The fats are protected as you say. And then I don't like to use the word natural, but these are how things are naturally occur in nature and how our body's metabolism is used to using them. So it's much more efficient as you say, is that right? Yeah.
1: You get a much higher bio, bioavailability. It actually there's some studies. It's interesting that you mentioned the that you're measuring your omega three index. It takes up to nine months for an ethyl omega three to catch up to a triglyceride based omega three as far as optimizing omega three index will go. Really? So it takes significantly longer to be able to kind of again optimize that omega three index or catch up to a triglyceride based omega three. And if we're honest with ourselves, like most of us will are not as consistent as we'd like to be. So if you, you, know, you come off your, your omega-3 for a few weeks or you forget for a little while or something like that, it's much easier to re-optimize that omega-3 index when you're using a triglyceride based omega-3.
0: Good to know. That's very good to know. In your experience in this industry and just communicating with tons and tons of people, what are some of the biggest misconceptions? I guess you've kind of alluded to them just through our conversation so far, but are there any kind of big misconceptions out there that stand out?
1: I think, yeah, I I absolutely, I think a few things, I think not all omega-3s are created equal. I think it's really important to know that. I think it's important to ask questions, you know, where your omega-3s are coming from, how it's being sourced, how it's being treated, how it's being processed. Is there third-party certifications that are coming into play and real third-party certifications? There's some other things like, you know, just talking about some of the I guess, unethical or whatever, from our point of view is that there's a, co- a lot of companies that will claim to have third-party testing, but they own the third-party testing that's doing mm-hmm. the testing for them. And that's a pretty biased way to look at things, you know? So IFOS is kind of the gold standard. So when we see that the international fish oil standards, most companies should be carrying this, this kind of seal. That's a true third-party test. You know, I'm sure there's some other ones that exist. That's who we choose to go with. They got, you know, great, great, great standards you know, and then price, I think too, I think, you know, sometimes people just associate price with quality just because companies are charging an exuberant like price for their product doesn't mean necessarily it's a better quality. You know, that's probably one of the biggest questions we get is like, how can you guys afford to, to sell such a high quality product at such an affordable price point? You know, like NDs registered diet, like, why aren't you selling this for a hundred dollars? And it's like, that's not our model. That's not our concept. It's about creating accessibility to the end consumer, the end user, to be able to use this product and really benefit from this and and kind of get your whole family, get your parents on the product. It's amazing what it does. I've seen it. I've seen it work. We get kind of daily kind of feedback on the product. I guess my biggest takeaway is don't take things for face value. Ask questions, ask pointed questions. Mm -hmm. You know, we were talking, I think we were having a conversation before this when we were talking about someone asking questions about a certain plant-based omega-3. And when they asked the company questions about how much omega-6 was actually in the product, they gave them an answer, but they gave them an answer only on the actual medicinal ingredient, which is the algae, which there's a very small amount that's going into the product when the filler is almost entirely omega-6. So ask questions. You know, that's that's my the biggest takeaway. Do your research, ask questions. The internet's a powerful tool and it's becoming harder and harder for these companies to kind of Hide behind certain things.
0: Yeah, so this would apply to everybody, public, peers. I think professional peers are the health professionals because I think there's still a lot of confusion. There's for sure in the dietitian world, there's a lot of confusion. So I want to just kind of highlight a few. Well, I guess all of them. The different formulas you have in your lineup. I remember I was at a store probably four years ago. And I'm like, oh, because I, I just like going to the health food store and checking out the labels <laughs> so and checking out the new products. And I'm a sucker for labels. If it's got a pretty label, on it, I'll buy it. <laughs> but yours, I I was pretty familiar with it, what I thought with all of the different brands out there. And then I saw yours. And I'm like, oh, what's this uh, Aqua Omega?
1: That would have been right around the time we were coming out into the market. Yeah, Yeah,
0: I was up at a... It's not a promo at all, but it was at a Healthy Planet Canada paper in yep. uh, Danforth. So I picked it up and I looked at it and I almost dropped the bottle, like because I had to like you know I wasn't wearing reading glasses at the time, but I had to do a double take because of the amount in it and like on a a per serving basis, which again can be modified based on the individual. So why not just highlight the three products that you have and maybe ask some questions, like answer some questions like how did you come up with this total omega-3s or specifically the EPA? Sure,
1: yeah, so specifically, so our flagship product was our high EPA product. So our high EPA product is a five to one EPA to DHA. So it's very highly concentrated in EPA and it's designed to target inflammation. So initially when we came out, we were working with this again, targeting athletes, targeting heart health type products, the kind of Delta, I guess, for omega-6 to omega-3, this is important to talk about as well, because the standard North American diet has us consuming so much omega-6 that it's actually propelling us into a pro-inflammatory state. And this inflammation is really the root cause for most chronic illness and disease. And so We had to create a product that was so highly concentrated omega-6 to kind of really correct that delta and the highest concentration we could get to was a five to one epa to dha so this product has over four grams of a total of omega-3 and 3380 milligrams epa per serving it is by far the most concentrated epa product that's out there in a triglyceride form. It's actually, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Visipa, it's actually a pharmaceutical, it's considered a pharmaceutical yeah. drug. They've got some amazing research around EPA now for, you know, there's the return IT study that they've done where dosing four grams of EPA per day. And this is an lesser form. I think ours, you know, I'm biased again, but I think ours is, is just as good, even though there's a little bit less because it's in a triglyceride form. But the initial study showed that they were able to reduce risk of heart attack stroke by, by 25 to 30%. And then they just had a really interesting one that they just published, I think, two weeks ago, where they actually showed that consuming, you know, high levels of EPA, they were able to reduce coronary plaque buildup by almost twenty percent in as little as eighteen months. And this was post cardiovascular event, so that was really interesting. So our high EPA, specifically designed for inflammatory issues, so people like, you know, you know, sport recovery, arthritis, heart health issues, even in some cases like brain fog, low energy. This is an ideal product for that. The next product we came out with was our high DHA. So high DHA is is an opposite product. It's a ratio of of one to five. So it's highly concentrated in DHA. DHA is the larger of the two essential fatty acids, really responsible for kind of like brain development, young children, essential for healthy pregnancy, memory issues, kind of like, there's even some really interesting studies around kind of like either slowing down or improving conditions like Alzheimer's, dementia, with an abundance of healthy fats, which, you know, we, we clearly don't get enough because less than, again, less than 2% of the North American population gets an adequate amount of, of omega-3s in their diet. And the last product we have is our, our standard product. So this is our, our kind of like, I guess this product would be considered every other company's high EPA product. It's a three to one EPA to DHA and an ideal ratio for kind of like a balanced health. So this product has over 2,500 milligrams total of omega-3s with two grams of EPA per serving. And it's at an incredible, like it's at everybody's kind of like, you know, an 18, 12, kind of like 750, 500 kind of like serving size, but it's really like the minimum dose that you should take on a daily basis. Again, going back to our entire kind of like philosophy, it's about building products for efficacy. So people get real results and they can feel significantly better when they're taking our products. And so this kind of really delivers the minimum therapeutic dose that you would need as an adult for omega threes. And, you know, it retails for under $25 a bottle, you know, and oftentimes you can find it on sale for under 20. And so it's an incredible value per serving per milligram of of omega threes. And we just, 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 just recently launched a game changing product for the vegan vegetarian world. It is the most concentrated plant-based omega-3 available on the market. There's so much research and time and energy that's been spent in this product. And we're so excited about it. It's got over 3,400 milligrams total omega-3s in it. But again, like I was talking about earlier, you're mentioning Health Canada, our algae-based omega-3s, there's an upper limit of two grams of DHA per serving in omega-3s when they're coming from a plant-based source. And so when we built this out, normally, I'll take a step back when it came to the plant-based and the entire way we developed it. So there's a few companies that are like the raw material suppliers when it comes to algae-based omega-3s. So when we started to develop this, we knew there was a tremendous need because, you know, the vegan vegetarian community, there's such a deficiency in omega-3s. And I think you've talked about this on your blog and on your channels often about the actual deficiency. And they're actually, even though the standard North American diet is deficient in omega-3s, the vegan vegetarian diet, even more so, especially when it comes to the essential fatty acids, so your EPA and your DHA. So we knew there was a huge need, but we had to do it right. And so when we actually went, went to develop this product, we started sourcing the raw materials and it was so expensive for raw material that we started to understand why companies were building products certain ways. So they, they were adding very small amounts of the algae oil and they're adding a huge amount of the sunflower, safflower, pumpkin seed oil. It's just filler and it's highly refined, highly processed, essentially omega-6 that's pro-inflammatory. So we couldn't build a product like that. We, not with, you know, I wouldn't feel comfortable putting our name, putting our label, and I couldn't stand behind it. You know, when we build a product, I want to be able to stand on a table and shout, like, we've got the best product at the best price and know that I can defend that with, with just about anybody. And so we had to kind of really dig deep and we actually ended up working with a fermentation company to produce our own microalgae and refine it and produce this super high quality algae oil to be able to produce it at a good price. And then when we were limited, when we hit that roadblock, again, you talked about some roadblocks with Health Canada. When we hit that roadblock, well, we didn't want to add the filler to it. That that was like a non-starter. So what we had to do was find another quality source of omega-3. And we found that in cold-pressed cranberry seed oil, which is, it's not EPA or DHA, but it's a good source of omega-3 in the form of ALA. So it can be converted, into, but at, at a low conversion mm-hmm, rate, mm-hmm. but it's great for energy and it's not inflammatory And to boot, that product had an incredible antioxidant profile. So it just kind of made this super kind of like omega-3 product.
0: Yeah, I just want to kind of put it, I mean, you did say this, but I'll just kind of frame it from a practitioner's point of view. So... The issues in the modern diet is we get too many omega-6s because grain and seed oils and so-called vegetable oils are used in absolutely everything. So if it's, if it's on the shelves, it's full of these omega-6s. When the ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 is off, it becomes pro-inflammatory. Ancestral diets were closer to one to one, six to three, like the omega-6 to omega-3, maybe one to four, but it's certainly a lot less. It was a lot less than it is now. So we get too many omega-6s vegetarians and vegans get even more omega-6s because they use a lot of these oils and they eat a lot of nuts and seeds and they're found in those as well so as a practitioner i look for a really good vegan product i found one looking at epa and dha and then i stopped there which is kind of uh, surprising to me because i try i try to be a little more fastidious and when we were talking before the show you pointed out that these products have filler as you say which is sunflower oil often which is full of omega-6s, which defeats the purpose of bringing in omega-3s in the first place, but especially for vegans and vegetarians who are already getting more typically than omnivores from intake studies. So that is a huge point, which makes you like the standout in in this industry, which is, I mean, I can't underscore that enough. Um, I
1: appreciate that. Yeah, it's a huge huge thing that happens all the time, like, you know, products when, when raw materials are really, really expensive, companies will find a way to cut the serving costs to be able to keep the price down, you know, instead of doing the hard work and sourcing or reformulating or finding a better supply source, they'll just cut it down. And like we were talking about that product, you know, or certain products specifically. And if we break it down, you know, there's like 20% of the actual active ingredient and like 78% filler that, that is really not okay by, by any standard, by my book or anybody's book. But the reason that they're able to hide that is they bury it in the non-medicinal ingredients. So no one's really looking to see, you know, what's in these non-medicinal ingredients, but on a, you know, we're talking about a five gram serving on a five gram serving, they're adding one gram of the actual active ingredient, a little bit of, a little bit of antioxidant, a little bit of flavor, but the rest of it's filler. And those fillers are highly refined omega six and people are paying good money and we make, you know, we'll make a joke about it, but essentially you're paying $40, $50 for a bottle of salad dressing.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, I I hate to use the word game changer, but but it is a game changer. A couple of points I just want to put uh, to help maybe people visualize this stuff. So you mentioned your EPA is over three grams per serving and there's Mm -hmm. DHA in there as well. The flip is the opposite is for uh, the DHA product, much higher in DHA over three grams with some EPA. And so what people need to understand is if you want therapeutic doses, like if you want to lower triglycerides, it's a minimum two to four grams. If you want Mm -hmm. to be seeing those 30 or 40% reductions in triglycerides. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing people say is, well, can I just eat food? So a can of sockeye salmon, which is 210 grams has about 2,800. So, you know, unless you're eating a couple of cans of salmon every single day, you're not going to get it from food if you want a therapeutic dose baseline requirements? Sure. And the other thing people worry about is safety. And so, you know, if you look at Japanese cultures or big fish eating cultures, they can be eating up to seven grams a day. And Health Canada, I think on their website still says up to five grams is perfectly safe. And why not? Because it's consistent with food and with cultures who eat a lot of fish and seafood. So to answer the question, can I just eat fish? No, not if you're looking for that therapeutic, because if you look at the amounts needed, three grams plus, you're not going to get fat in food. And when people kind of hear that, they kind of say, okay, yeah, I'm, I need to kind of either top up what I'm eating or, or just add this exclusively. Yeah. And you mentioned, you mentioned salmon, like, which is a really high level of omega threes. But when we
1: looked, there's like a really interesting chart. I can share it with you after, after this, but there's a, uh, when we talk about like the more kind of standard fish that we'll eat on a more regular basis, right. what we had found like on a three ounce cooked portion of fish, you know, you're getting between two to 400 kind of like milligrams of omega-3s you're you'd be eating like 30 to 40 ounces of these fish on a daily basis which again going back to the heavy metals and PCBs dioxins things like that is it wouldn't be safe to do that on a regular basis I know here we live on the the St. Lawrence River and last year like the 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 river had become so polluted because of all the flooding and all stuff they were advising us not to eat the fish more than once a week
0: yeah the bare bones minimum I think only 10% of Canadians are getting the minimum 250 to 500 for basic requirements, right? I think the average intake is about 110 to 150 or whatever, to your point. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Is there any, any lasting ideas? You or mentioned
1: it too. Like when we were talking about the other thing too, we see a lot when we're talking to people that when you're talking about consumption, there's some confusion with ALAs or people think that when they're getting the plant-based omega-3 sources, oh. we touched on it a little bit, Yeah. but you know, we'll talk to people and say, ah, oh, you know, I eat chia seeds in the morning or, you know, I, I, take, flax, or, I take flax or I take hemp or I take whatever. You know, these ALAs, you know, yes, they're a good source of omega-3s, but they don't convert well into the essential fatty acids. I think maybe you'll have a different number, but from my research, you know, men are converting three to 5%, women five to 10%, but it's a very, very low conversion rate into the actual essential fatty acids that, that our bodies need, that we need to get from diet.
0: Yeah, ALA will in animals for sure, we'll do it a little bit to EPA, which gets converted to DHA. Women do it a little bit better. There must be an evolutionary reason to get omega-3s into the breast milk, but we do it in a kind of piss poor manner. And when you take more omega-6, it it basically, they share the enzymes for their metabolism. So they kind of push the the little omega-3s out of the way and and are a hog that way. Just curious before we wrap up, do you know why Health Canada limits DHA to two grams from plant sources, but not from animal sources?
1: It's honestly, it comes down to the monograph. It's a safety thing. So no one's done the studies yet to actually prove safety or efficacy for higher levels. So we we are making the argument now to increase that level. We have some really exciting stuff coming in 2021 where we've actually been able to, to develop a high EPA source of algae-based omega-3s, which we're, we're planning to launch in 2021, which is really exciting because that has never been done.
0: Okay. So again, this is these barriers that are ultimately ultra-conservative in this great country of Canada.
1: I think it's great. When you have a Canadian flag on your product, Like other countries will look at it and be like, yeah, that's that's a great regulatory body there.
0: I'm just waiting for them to get out of the 1970s so they can stop listing vitamin D in doses greater than 1,000 I use as a class A drug. Because so, you, take, you take a serving of your oil, with, which can have 1,000 I use of vitamin D, yeah. and then you've got to turn around and have people take another bottle... With two or three extras, because nobody—I never recommend less than like at least three thousand. So that's where I I have my uh, my issues. That's why we we were
1: able. We had to limit it to a thousand IUs of vitamin D. Well,
0: maybe just slip that in with part of your uh, (laughs) your
1: tolerance. Yeah, for tolerance levels. Yeah. Yes, for vitamin D. You just made a great point because when we're working with a lot of NDs or or registered dietitians, when they're making the recommendations, they appreciate our products. Because they're getting way better compliance with their their patients because they're not having to tell them to take three or four or five doses of their omega-3s anymore. It's one dose for the most part is enough. Mm-hmm. And so we feel good about that. It's just, it's really about helping people. It feels incredible to help people, the success stories that come in, you know, from, you know, the ADHD or the like there was one where we were doing some testing, it was omega-3 index testing. And we had reduced in like two weeks, we had reduced triglyceride levels by over 25%. That was incredible. Like that was like game changing for someone, you know, young kids with terrible eczema, you know, seeing some incredible results where we're essentially reversing some of these conditions. It's really cool. And it feels great. And it feels great to work with people like yourself that are clearly passionate about health and helping people. And, you know, you're always putting some fantastic content out there and, you know, we appreciate that. It's, it's awesome.
0: That's great. So I think we'll just wrap up. We're out of time. I know you're busy. So where can people learn more about your amazing lineup of products?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can find us on uh, Instagram. Our Instagram is Aquomega. Uh, You can find us at myaquomega.com. We have a fantastic blog that's up there with some great resources, some great information. Uh, You know, we're always kind of trying to help people just like yourself understand their health better and take better control of their health.
0: Great. So just to wrap up, I want to thank you for taking the time. I know that uh, once hearing this, people are going to be for sure interested in to learn more. And as a practitioner, I mean, when it's so concentrated and you only need a couple of teaspoons to kind of really get in the therapeutic dose, it just makes compliance or adherence, whatever you want to call it, much easier. And it's so everybody wins in the end. So thanks again, Max.
1: Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate you having me on your show. Take care. Okay, bye.
0: Hit subscribe and get ready to expand your nutritional world, your perspective, and gain confidence in a way that you didn't know you could. And be sure to check out my website, DougCookRD.com.